online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again. This is Food FM. Drinking Hour with David Kermode in partnership with Club Onologique, the world through the lens of wine and spirits. This week, vodka from sheep's milk. You better believe it. Black Lion Vodka comes from the English countryside, produced by farmers Tim and Tanya Spittle, who join me to talk about an award-winning spirits innovation fresh from the farm. Tim and Tanya Spittle are farmers in the bucolic rolling hills of the Cotswolds, and they are also drinks innovators. Their vodka, Black Lion, has just been voted as one of the world's best craft vodkas of 2023. And last year, it also picked up an award at the IWSC here in the UK. It's Europe's first sheep's milk vodka using the sugar-rich whey left over after cheese making that would otherwise go to waste. Uh, the milk comes from Black Lion Sheep, hence the name of the vodka. And if this all sounds familiar, celebrity chef Gordon Ramsay is a fan, it turns out, uh, featuring it last month on his BBC One show, Future Food Stars. Uh, Tim and Tanya join us from the farm with um four-month-old daughter Annabelle there as well. Um, welcome to uh, The Drinking Hour, Tim and Tanya. Hi, David. Thanks for having us. Hi, David. Good to speak to you. It's great to speak to you too. So and, and a, a busy morning on the farm, as it uh, always is, um, I suspect. Um, just um, I, I painted this picture of uh, the Cotswolds and those uh, bucolic rolling hills. You're actually, as it happens, in a different place, but not that far from me as we record this. Just tell us where you are. OK, so we are we are North Cotswolds. We're in a, a beautiful, um, iconic um, village in the Cotswolds called uh, Blockley. Uh, Blockley is not far from uh, the sort of market towns of Stow-on-the-Wold, uh, Chipping Camden, Morning Marsh, um, and we're probably in the heart of uh, what I would consider to be one of the most beautiful uh, areas of the North Cotswolds. And we, we, we sit just below uh, Broadway Tower, and you roll off that plateau and go down off towards Wales that way. So um, absolutely stunning. Our farm's been here for for many, many years, and this, we're second-generation farmers, and um, we're just very, very lucky to live in such a, a, a wonderful place. You really are, and uh, the views from uh, that tower that you mentioned are just uh, stunning. It, it, it's like you're on top of the world uh, there with the views towards Wales and the Black Mountains and so forth. But uh, let's... Um, talk about the uh, farm itself because you mentioned family business and it's traditionally you know inverted commas just a sheep farm isn't it yeah so um it is a family business and and all of our family are are involved and heavily invested in terms of effort and time and commitment to what we have and what, what our father had worked so hard for i mean sadly we lost our father when we were children uh, but he worked very very hard to to to, to get this farm and to, to establish his his farming business within this part of the Cotswolds, which today would be so almost impossible to do if you were starting afresh. Um, and so, um, yes, we, 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 we have relatives. We have, um, 
even even our, my mother is still working on the farm, bless her, and, and, and helping out in every she's which way. She's 83 and she's, she's amazing. And she's fit, hasn't she? She's she still is. wrestling lambs and, and, and going out in the morning and feeding for us and doing everything she can to help us. And, uh, wow. and also recently was having Annabelle, so she's just been an absolute gem, hasn't she? Oh, she's been a star, hasn't she? So, um, yes, we, we, we thank our lucky stars of where we are and who we've got supporting us and our family. We're a very close family, which is lovely. Yeah, uh, a lot of farming families are. I grew up on a farm, um, actually raised by my aunt and uncle uh, with my uh, cousins and that was on the Isle of Wight and uh, it's tough as you say uh, farming it's it's you know sadly um, not uh, financially viable um, in the way that it uh, perhaps uh, once was for all sorts of reasons hence uh, the need for diversification now when I was growing up it was a dairy farm actually with pigs as well uh, we didn't produce anything remotely as exciting as a vodka so um, tell us how on earth this came about <laughs> it's an interesting well, one isn't yeah, it? it is so uh, so we were looking for ways to diversify the farm and bring in other revenue streams streams and Tim and I had always been lovers of um, vodka and we knew about um, cow's milk vodkas, but we wondered why nobody had ever done it with sheep's milk vodka. So we were actually on a a cycling holiday in Spain and we were sat at this beautiful beachside bar having a few vodkas and just kind of toying with the idea when we started exploring it. Um, And that would have been, what was that, about five years ago now? Six years ago now. Six years ago or so. And... Literally from that idea next to the sea, we came home and started kind of um, exploring it, researching and developing it. And then the, you know, the idea was born and, and uh, yeah, and that's how Black Mind began. I mean, to be honest with you, it's, it's um, it, on the face of it, obviously not coming from a distilling back and not understanding that. I mean, we, you know, we, we, we come loosely from a dairy background. We were, we were a mixed farm back in the day. We had 200 milking cows. And uh, my father had, gosh, he had over 1,500 sheep and uh, hundreds of acres of arable. So we're very, very traditionally bought up farmers. So to think about something that is so out of the box, so curveball as it was, as, as it were, it, it's just, um, I don't know, maybe we were a bit harebrained to start with. Perhaps it was one of those light bulb moments that just never really comes to anything, but you just got to give it a bit of a go, isn't it? I suppose. We knew it had to be different, didn't we? We knew it had to be really niche and, you know, people always say, you know, you need to swim against the tide, be different, stand out. So not only did we come up with the idea of um, producing sheep's milk vodka, we thought, well, let's be doubly rare. Why not um, create our own breed of sheep um, to do it? And yeah, I mean, we 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 actually have had one half of the sheep for quite a few years, which are the Swiss Valley Blacknose, which are a beautiful sheep. And do you know what? They're they're a little bit trendy. They're a little bit cool, quite expensive, but they are just such lovable animals and so easy to work with. And we, we thought they're just just so iconic. Uh, they're ambassador of all sheep. What have happened is if we we sort of um, kind of uh, made a crossbreed or or, or, or kind of almost hybridised our own breed. And so we, we played around and we came up with the the um, a breed now that we, we, we call our own, which is the... The, the ambassadors black, of the brand. Yeah, Black Lion. So, right. So Black Lion is a, a, a crossing, a hybrid of, of two different sheep varieties, basically. Absolutely right, yeah. If you're going to do something and, 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 and actually it's going to, it's going to, you know, go forward and, and something that's a, a real keeper and you're going to actually develop a good business from it, that everything needs to have its place. And so rather than just use any old sheep or just, you know, use any kind of branding or any kind of, you know, idea or generic stuff, 
we thought every part of this journey had to be quite special and where we could we would make sure that every bit of it fitted in within our our farm or provenance and what we really wanted to do and that we can work with because the sheep have to I mean the biggest part of our business if we don't get on with them if we don't like them if they don't do what we want them to do don't produce uh, in the way that we want them to do and don't enjoy them and then sit well with us then obviously it wouldn't work so that so this is this is a big decision wasn't it yeah it, it makes sense it's you know provenance it's a kind of sourcing i suppose uh in in a sense i mean um is the milk that comes from this type of sheep sort of special and different to uh you know regular sheep's milk do you know what? I, I don't think we could we could go as far as to say that because I think that actually right. you would find it hard pressed to to decipher between a glass of milk from one sheep sheep's to milk a, is sheep's milk. Yeah, although yeah. That there will probably be you know experts out there who are making some wonderful fine cheeses mm-hmm. from different breeds of sheep. There are various breeds you can milk from, and there will be some subtle differences. fat differences yeah. and content and um, the way the milk's put. To, you know, the, the, the composition. Is slightly different between the breeds, but um, you and I probably, if we were just drinking sheep's milk, we probably would find it hard to de- determine the difference. However, that said, um, I would say that all sheep's milk is special because uh, it has a smaller fat globule. It's easier t- to digest um, for us drinking it by the glass than uh, um, possibly cow's milk, and that's why you'll find that people that choose to drink it maybe have intolerances find it easier on the stomach so uh, it's a wonderful product and probably i think there should be more of it and easily uh, or readily available around the country but it obviously a sheep produces one liter of milk per you per day uh, versus the gallons that is produced from a cow so in terms of viability it's economies of scale isn't it um, ah. and so um, that's why we have a nation of dairy cows. Well, having said I grew up on a farm, I, I don't really know very much about agriculture. I went into broadcasting instead, but that explains why we don't all drink um, sheep's milk lattes or whatever if they uh, only produce, um, you know, a, a, a litre a day. That really wouldn't uh, be, be viable. But um, tell us how that sheep's milk then finds its way into vodka. I mean, wh- what have you, have you got a, a distillery on the farm? Uh, you know, um, that was a, a vision of ours for the beginning. We planned out a journey. And uh, to start with, we would need some very important important partners within our business. And um, the two most important partners for us is to use a contract distiller, which is um, not far from us. Uh, and uh, as I said, you know, that there is possibilities in the future of maybe putting a still on the farm. That's, that might be part of our journey. We're not sure yet. Um, in terms of how does the milk turn into vodka, how do you get that journey? Then obviously the most important part with that is some sort of separation, some sort of handling of the milk to remove the fats and then obviously create a a situation where you have the separation of the whey and the curds. So the other partner within our business who's a good friend of ours, and this is really how this really came to be, is a friend of ours called uh, Stephen Fletcher, who is a a cheesemaker. So cheesemaking is something that we've had to understand and pull into our business so that we don't sell cheese um we actually then use this byproduct that he creates in his business that he um typically would throw away um it's a waste product way from sheep there's no real value there might be a couple of uses for it but not on any great scale so all his life his family has been throwing this back into the onto the ground 
So we found a way of actually giving a, a little bit more income to him. So we have an agreement where we can actually give him a little bit of uplift on that. So he gets a secondary income on his farm. And we're taking this waste product and creating something sustainable now because we're actually reducing waste on the farm. And you know what? There's probably at times, depending on the grade of the milk, probably somewhere 70, 80 percent of that is whey. And so that's all just thrown away. So and that's how we get to that point of then using that way to to go to the distillery. Vodka is relatively neutral. Uh, I know it's um, you know it, it's much more complicated than that, but you know it, it's reliant on purity and to an extent, obviously texture as well. What's the impact on the purity and texture of using this um, sh- uh, sugar-rich whey from sheep's milk? Well, there are a number of a small number. Uh, of uh, milk vodkas around the world. As far as we're aware, predominantly cow's milk. Horse milk. There's horse milk, yeah. (laughs) We were told, we didn't know. There's horse milk from Kazakhstan, apparently. And we've seen the bottle, it does exist. Uh, It's got a horse on the front. And um, uh, I'm not sure what proof it is, but um, I think it's quite fiery. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, that aside, um, quite remarkable as it is, uh, there are there are a number of these milk vodkas and all follow a similar trait of, of offering um, almost a smoother, soft texture, uh, a creaminess, um, some sort of sweeter finish, a longer finish, and less abrasive or less aggressive uh, heat within the vodka. Um, there's some and some, some are better than others, of course, and it probably depends down to the distilling processes. Um, we're, we're, we're proud to say we use a column still. I think a column still gives you a very, very good product. Those traits follow through the milk vodkas, that's, that's fair to say. But I think that the more important thing for us was to create, I'm not going to say a new category, but try and take the idea that vodka really hasn't lost its way. There's a lot of vodkas out there. Um, obviously, the market isn't quite like the gin market in this country. We know that. But um, it's to create a vodka that's so versatile, it could be used as a sipping vodka. It could be drunk over ice. Uh, and, and, and we advocate, we, we, we don't hide away from the fact vodka is better from the freezer. It really is. Uh, but over ice as a sipping vodka or so versatile, uh, it will sit beautifully uh, into a cocktail or a mixer or a soda. But for us, that creating uh, what was almost an old school thought about vodka, you know, making real class vodka that you could drink straight from the bottle is what we, we were about. So when we started this journey, um, that taste profile was imperative. And I know we, we, we got a, um, a profile score of, uh, what was that, 90, 93 out of 100. So we've got a high rating uh, in terms of, you know, being drunk on its own. And uh, so that's key to us, not just making another vodka. It had to be and it's surprising, actually, because when we do lots of tastings at food festivals and things like that, um, the number of people that perhaps gin drinkers and say they have a lot of bad memories of vodka from when they were younger... And we managed to convince them to try it. And they're really pleasantly surprised. And they're actually they're blown away, aren't they? They are. And I think, yes, they are. And I think what, what with that in mind, especially again, as Tan said, when we, we go to events and we, we, we do taste these, other things that are so important is how this vodka, how this spirit will pair with 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 other types of food. So, you know, will it sit with with 
with a with a lovely smoked salmon. Will it will also sit with a with a fine cheese, uh, which of course it does. Curds and white. It's a lovely lovely thing to pull back together. Oysters uh, works very well. Yes, it, it does. And that in itself. So it's a really hard thing to do if you really stop and think about it, the complexities of a spirit are are immense. So we haven't just walked into this. We didn't by chance come up with something that tasted half decent and then we roll with it. We really had to think about everything because I said every part of this journey is so important to us. So. Yeah, taste profile was key, wasn't it? It's easy to say, you know, that um, vodkas are all very similar, but actually, uh, and I'm a gin man, really, rather than vodka, but but vodkas are not born equal, are they? There, there, there is a lot of diversity in vodka. Yeah, absolutely, there is, and, and you're absolutely right. And if you really, you know, how many people have actually really stopped to think about vodka in that way? Would you line up? 20 different vodkas and do a tasting and really compare. For a lot of people, and, and we found this, that the vodka has to serve a purpose. So it's, you know, it's a background that sits in that cocktail. It sits with that mixer. It might make a lovely martini. Um, obviously, it still has to have its own quality. But there is, a, there is a vast difference between vodkas. And if you really stop and, and, and uh, analyse them, you know, that also reflects in price because price is, is paramount. We, we, we've learned, you know, that that cocktail price, that mixer price um, has to be a certain percentage in that bar to make it viable for those bars to be interested in your product um, and not just be a dusty back bar buy, you know, that sits on the top shelf and it's only drunk at Christmas. We obviously can't go through everybody else's brands, but the diversity of vodka is immense. And there's some very, there were some very good vodkas that obviously because of recent events have been removed. Um, which has left also a, a premium shelf open, which I'm you know, probably sure you know. I think what is popping up at the moment is a lot of people are going down the flavoured vodka route, isn't it? But we were quite clear in our minds that we were just going we'll to make... Never flavor a, that we'd never flavour the vodka. We'd make a really super premium, pure vodka that's obviously a sipping vodka, but can also be very versatile and used in a range of cocktails as well. That makes a lot of sense. And actually, yes... Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a, a bit of a gap in the market due to uh, vodkas from a certain rather large country uh, being uh, unavailable for uh, understandable reasons at the moment, as, as you say. Um, what's been the response to it? Is it doing well? Yeah, I mean, it is. Uh, we won, um, so last year we won um, nine awards in nine months. We, um, wow. You mentioned earlier on about Gordon Ramsay, so we were lucky enough to feature in the current uh, series two, episode four of um, Gordon Ramsay's Future Food Style. So he came to the farm and did. We did two days of filming with him: a day at the farm and a day um, at Henley Wurragata. Um, but on the farm, we did a tasting with him, didn't we? And he was blown away by it. He said it was. He loved it. He, he said it was yes. absolutely delicious. So I think even to get a you know a world a top world class chef saying giving feedback like that as well was just it meant so much to us, didn't it? Yeah. Then we the, the hardest thing, and and David, I'm sure you appreciate this when you're starting out is, is it is an immense mountain to climb this journey of mm. trying to get some brand awareness or, or vodka awareness on a and do you know what we could have gone an easier route for sure we could have gone gin and you know i'm sure we could have sold more of the stuff very quickly uh we could have gone flavored you know if it's christmas and we go and make a nice flavor vodka um we could have done that and we'd have probably got even more traction that way but we have gone, uh, we, we're sitting tight on um, quite a, a harder sell because you actually have to put the glass in people's hands and get them to try it. Now, once they've tried it, they like it, they love it. And the feedback is, is immense. We, we have a very special vodka, but trying to get out into the whole marketplace is really hard. It's big bucks. 
it's lots and lots of time, lots of effort, and you've got to do different things. We sim- simply, you know, we're, we're not a obviously a, a Diageo where we could go out and just put billboards up everywhere and have that power behind us of all those years of making wonderful products. We, we, we can't do that. We don't have that kind of resources. So we have to um, be very um, uh, tactful in how we do things and, and um, or tactical rather, and and um, work our way through the steps of, of getting this product to market. But that's hard. It is hard. It is, but I guess um, at the same time, it's quite remarkable, isn't it? Because again, our product has got a lot of provenance um, and it does sell on taste. Well, it's a real product. It's a it? real product. It sells on taste. You know, it isn't just another vodka where we have, like Tim said, a huge, don't have a huge marketing budget and it's not just sold, you know, with, you know, on that, but it's actually sold on the fact that it is a beautifully tasting product. Well, actually, you know what, and this is very important, is because we're from a farm and it is from a waste product. I mean, there's almost too much to talk talk about at times. We've had to tone it down because you end up talking to people for hours and end about and stuff. But, you know, we're going to open the farm up for farm walks, which is something that farms do. They like to show off their produce of what they do and make. So over the coming months, we will be in a position where the farm will be ready for people to come and meet the sheep come and see what we do, understand a bit more about the countryside generally and how farming has changed and also how farming possibly hasn't changed or has had to go back in time a little bit. Going back to the start of this conversation, we're a small Cotswold farm and we want to keep it in our family. That's a very hard thing to do. You said yourself, it's hard to make a living. So all these things can be explained. So we're going to welcome people soon um, to come back to the farm and come and meet uh, the animals that are behind this and, and the people behind it and our family uh, even you can come and have a play with our sheepdog mm, you've got a lot of things on your side uh, local provenance is huge vodka is I think making a resurgence because uh, the gin boom has kind of stalled slightly then you've got sustainability you're using a waste product so that's uh, a big tick there so this is all great that said you know you're uh, farmers, proper farmers, not sort of gentlemen farmers. And as you said, entering this um, big drinks industry uh, spirits, which is um, much more than wine, is, is much more corporate and is, is governed by a lot of very big companies. You mentioned one back there. You must be, as a very, very small producer, it must feel like you're, a to use a, a relevant analogy, like a, a lamb sort of wandering into Piccadilly Circus or something. <laughs> I guess it yeah I mean it has been but at the same time we've met some wonderful people haven't they that have kind of experienced in the area that have helped guide us Tim is like an amazing entrepreneur he's he you know you just he just he just seeks out information and is a huge risk taker and goes for it my background actually before meeting Tim so um, I've got a, um, a marketing background so I worked in the corporate and well for many many years so I guess just um from both of our experiences really and bringing that into this business it, it it's all benefited hasn't it yeah I guess that um it, it does feel like that at times you are quite out on your own you're out on a limb and you're trying to grow this this business and it does all feel quite stacked against you and you know let's not make any bones about this there's loads of other producers out there who are just the same as us they're all trying to to get their produce to the, to the front of the marketplace trying to make it sell, trying to be the next big thing. But when we say sustainability, we've had to, um, we've had to 
make every part of the business sustainable in all different ways. So we can't be a flash in the pan. This is our home, our livelihood. Uh, it's really got to work. And we have, as I said, we have a real plan and a real forward thinking idea about how we're going to do this. Tanted, we've met some incredible people. My goodness, we have. We've met some wonderful people and people so nice helping us and guiding us and giving us the advice. We've learned so much about the industry. And I think if, you know, if you're honest with people, people could be honest back and that's helped us. Um, we're not naive uh, and we're not stupid, but uh, and we're tenacious, aren't we? We're, we're, we're quite dogged. We're, we're, we're really going to keep on with this. Um, but the, the business is growing. It's going the right way. And um, we're, we're so excited, but we do have to work some crazy, crazy hours because not only do we run this farm, but this is like two businesses in one, two completely different businesses in one. But at the same time, it's our passion and we're so excited about it. I was going to ask about the uh, dynamic in, in your uh, relationship, because it's always really interesting talking to um, uh, husband and wife or, or partner double acts. And um, a couple of years ago, I spoke to uh, the couple behind Mirabeau, the, the Provence wine brand who upsticked and uh, moved to the, the south of France. Um, and I asked them, you know, do you always think the same way or is there a kind of accelerator and a, and a break or whatever. Um, how does it work in, in your relationship when it comes to, you know, uh, innovation and product launch like this? You know what, you're going to, you're going to um, hate this, but we're, 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 Tan and I are, are business partners, husband and wife and best friends. We just get on. Uh, and I think because it's so involved and there's so much work, we had to, uh, together, we just have to make it fit like a hand in a glove. We just have to, we have to work that way. We don't argue. We don't fall out. Uh, we respect each other's views. We don't always come up with the same ideas, but generally we have a similar chain of thought and that if one says one thing, the other bounces off it. And, um, you know, if I were to say that we have a relationship that's made in heaven, we really do. Um, but I think that comes across when you meet us at our events, you know, we love our farm, we love each other, and we love the brand we've made. Uh, but it just really works, isn't it? It just, just really does. It does. We're inseparable. <laughs> a soppy, isn't it, David? You're going to just say oh, that. Oh, well, it's, it's, it's very – get the tissues in a minute. It's very sweet. Um, it's, <laughs> it's wonderful to hear. So, so Tam, uh, Tim was doing all the talking there. You'd um, echo all of that, would you? Oh, totally. Yeah, sorry, I had to uh, nip off to check on Annabelle, but <laughs> no, I would absolutely echo everything that Tim just said. We are two peas in a pod and we just really complement each other. And yeah, it's, we're very, very lucky. And you know what, Dave, what she, what, what Tan, Tan is amazing because, you know, I'm not just going to sit here and earn brownie points, but, you know, she's come from a background, a corporate background. She's always had a passion for nature and, 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 and uh, yeah, outside and, and um, a sporty background as well. And um, but never had never really even held a sheep before, let alone going to own them and work with them. And, you know, and over the years, she's she's become quite incredible as a as a shepherdess in her own right, uh, a businesswoman in her own right. And, um, you know, I, we've got a lovely tractor out there and I don't even get to see it now. I can't get her off it. She's out <laughs> hedge cutting. She's out driving up and down the road. She's and people waving at her. It's tan. And I mean, it's, it's a real credit to her. So. It's um, no, she, you love it, don't you? I you, do, love, I do. you know, and I, everybody can. I don't know, turn your hand to things, but she's just she is incredible. So yeah, I'm very lucky. Where do you find the time for all this? You've got. Um, I mentioned uh, being very, very good, um, uh, four-month-old Annabelle uh, there. And I, I don't know if Annabelle is number one or if there are other children as well. 
Yeah, so we've got um, Archie and uh, yeah, and uh, Isabella. She's twenties, uh, and so yes, we yeah, t- those are from another relationship. And, and um, Annabelle is telling myself, right. and um, Annabelle is um, she's almost like um, in terms of working the spanner in the works now in the nicest possible way because. Now you want to spend all your time with Annabelle. That is, you know, I'm looking outside thinking I've got to go and um, turn the sheep over and do their feet. And I think, oh, I'll just have 10 more minutes with Annabelle because I just can't leave her. So uh, that is a, that is, that's quite funny, isn't it? You mentioned cocktails and you've got uh, a number of cocktails suggested as serves on your website. Uh, some great names, the Dirty Sheepdog. Uh, being uh, my, my favourite. This is clearly, uh, although you, you you like it to be drunk pure, you're you're very happy for it to be mixed as well, right? Absolutely. I mean, we're um, again. I think this is very important with with, with vodka. With vodka needs to be versatile, and so we have to face the fact that yes, we advocate our our spirit to be drunk as it is, and over ice is is is, is for me and, and for Tan and for us best. But in terms of um, uh, cocktails. Um, that is so important, um, and uh, especially this day and age, that's a big marketplace. It's huge. It's growing. It's massive, and so the creativity in the bar is is um, overwhelming. So we we have our own mixologist. So we have a local man, Pete. Uh, very talented. Very talented. Again, yeah, he's a local wanted, legend, isn't he? Isn't he? Um, yes, he is. He he works up at Stow on the Walls, and um, he's a, a very talented. He's been he's, he's been a barman all his life, and, and a mixologist understates what he really is. He's just a creator, isn't he? It's Very just... sophisticated flavouring, isn't it? When his cocktails are beautiful, aren't they? Yes, I mean, he doesn't just use any old ingredients. He researches everything. He goes back through um, all sorts of books and information he's kept over the years and, and revisits things and reinvents things. Uh, I mean, our play on the Manhattan is just divine, uh, which is the icebreaker. Um, to, to use uh, a fig uh, liqueur in that way, um, is just exquisite, and that would be a. Uh, if David, you're saying you like gin, we pour you that, and I think you'd be all over that. That's a, a very, mm. very lovely drink. And um, so, yes, he, he's 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 comes up, with, and we meet regularly, and he comes up with our, our latest serves. Um, we try not to flood everything with cocktails, and they we like to have some relevance about them. Uh, we like them to be classical rather than just trendy although we do follow trends and see what happens and we have done some nice reinventions of some old old serves such as a milkshake i mean a milkshake is is something that had alcohol in it, it had whiskey in uh, back in the day and so uh pete's actually played with that and tinkered with that he makes a wonderful uh, not for children um <laughs> milkshake. milkshake but the, i think the latest the latest cocktail that i think has wooed people is the julep so we've made a version of a julep, which is obviously, again, a, a bourbon um, background, commonly used outdoors at the races. Uh, we've actually had a play on the julep. We've used the vodka. And that is oh, it's exquisite, isn't it? It's really nice. So what's next for you? You've got this one vodka at the moment. Have you got other things in the pipeline? You've talked about some things that you won't do, but have you got any other ideas for what you might do next in the drinks world? I think uh, we do have a couple of ideas. Uh, a couple are quite guarded um, because um, they're not they're not yet ready to, to come out and be put into the marketplace. Um, Fair enough. I th- but the focus is building brand awareness and is. distribution, isn't it? And remaining pure, pure to ourselves, pure to our spirit, keeping that spirit 
um, absolutely as is, not selling ourselves short in any way, standing by our guns. It's in British vodka on the map, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's British. It's, it's, you know, all the, it's a British farm and it's, and it's uh, that for, it, for the starting point is so important. And there's so much more of the country we've got to reach out to. We're just a, a drop in a pond. You know, I think sometimes you can almost go too far too fast how many brands possibly um, develop a vodka or, or a gin uh, and then suddenly they, they come out with them, you know, next month it has the next flavour, next month it has the next flavour, now there's 10 flavours and then there's, a, you know, 10 different bottles and then there's, you know, and, and for some people that might work and that would be great. That's not what we're about. We're driving this one spirit and we want to make it. I mean, the ambition would be anywhere in the UK or within reason that you would go to a nice bar, a nice on trade and you would just walk in and say I'd like a black lion if they knew mm. how to serve you a black lion that would we've achieved what we want to do yeah well it's already happening near you in the Cotswolds uh, you mentioned the visit from Gordon Ramsay and that's for his uh, kind of I suppose reality show uh, for want of a better description uh, future food stars as you say it's it's been aired so it's now available uh, on the BBC um, iPlayer um what was he like? I mean, if he, he famously, if he doesn't like something, he's going to tell you, isn't he? Do you know what? He, you, you know, you, when you're going to meet a celebrity, you're always going to wonder what they're like. But actually, in real life, he was just such a lovely, he's a friendly man. He? He's a gentleman. Very, very funny. Very tall. He's actually, Tim's tall and he's actually taller than Tim. Um, but he's just a very family man, wasn't he? Oh, yes. I mean, he's, he's, he's all about his children. Uh, and um, he... Uh, all that sort of, you know, perhaps in the day he was more aggressive. I, I can imagine in a, in a kitchen he would be very formidable. He would, you know, quake in your boots if Gordon Ramsay walked in. Um, but he was, uh, he's a clever, clever guy. Uh, really, really does absolutely understand taste, flavour and provenance and real ingredients. I think he really does enjoy the idea this is kind of like a farm to fork or farm to glass kind of product. And he was all over that. Fabulous guy, fabulous guy. We, 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 we hopefully we'll meet him again soon because he's just so much fun and he's a bundle of laugh as well. He's 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 um, a real joker. So um, we had a great couple of days with him. Ah, oh, well, you could do a lot worse than having your uh, Black Lion uh, vodka on uh, one of his menus somewhere as well, because as you say, that farm to fork, farm to glass, as you put it, uh, is is a a big deal. So um, f- fingers crossed for that. Another. Uh, celebrity um, who is also a kind of a neighbour. Uh, Jeremy Clarkson, of course, famously has a, a farm not a million miles away from you. And I think you're in his diddly squat farm shop, aren't you? Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, this part of the, um, the Cotswolds, this part of the world, we're getting quite a lot of celebrity farmers around here. Um, um, he's done a lot for farming, actually. And he's um, what's happened with those programmes um, it's just showing the whole thing in a different light. And obviously, it's, you know, there's a lot of tongue-in-cheek and a lot of fun about it. But he actually has supported farming very, very well. And we found that, you know, people forever telling us and stopping us that he's, you know, he has been the face of farming over the last two or three years. And that's done so much positive things for a difficult industry. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, he, he goes from strength to strength and he's, he's a real success. And everyone that goes up to his farm loves it. I think that... Um, the problem is, is it's just so busy, isn't it? It's, it's just got mm. so many people going that way. I think he, he almost sort of shuts off half of the, the sort of out of the North Cotswolds and Chipping Norton. It's just closed down to the lines of cars trying to get into his farm shop. But um, 
Well done, Jeremy Clarkson. Yeah, well, he's also, uh, with uh, Caleb, really shining a light on some of the issues that uh, farmers like you face as well. So, uh, no, it's, as you say, it's a, it's, it's a good thing. What about the farmers um, who aren't kind of celebrities near you, who perhaps are a bit more traditional, uh, haven't necessarily diversified? Um, are they a bit bemused that you're making a vodka out of sheep's milk? We get on very well with our neighbours and we've got some great relationships. And again, most of them are from old farming families that are the children of the children of the children. I think they totally understand what we're doing. And, I, and for the most part, they, they really uh, admire and applaud what we're doing. But we have to feel for them. I mean, because, you know, at the end of the day, when you're farming and you've been farming for years, a particular line or a particular, you know, you're a dairy farmer, you're, a, as you said, a pig farmer or you're into arable. And once you're totally entrenched into that farm, that cycle of events, your bank balances, your cash flows are into that cycle. It's very hard for you to break away and change and do anything. And if it's a downward curve, which, of course, is a bit of controversy at the moment, because of controversy at the moment about farm single farm payments you know in terms of the way that that supports farming subsidies that's all diminishing um it gets very very political and very heated farmers are a lot of farmers are struggling especially on the the sort of medium to small size they can't just suddenly go and make vodka go and make beer go and you know open the fields up for strawberry strawberry picking or in the winter plant a field of pumpkins you know open a little visitor center it's not that easy because they're too busy they're too committed money is too tight and so you've got to feel for them because there's... I'm planning. I'm, oh, I'm planning. Planning's very difficult. Planning permission is very difficult, especially in areas mm. of A O N B. So, you know, we are mindful of that and we mustn't actually um, be disrespectful of true traditional farmers. Just we've broken away ourselves and that's our journey. And I think they respect that. But we have absolute respect for good, honest, hardworking farming families of, of the North Cotswolds, well, of the UK, it's a very hard life, harder than most people ever know. Yeah, well, uh, what you've done is uh, yeah, necessary, I'm sure, but also really um, inspiring too. So uh, it's a lovely story and um, I'm yet to taste uh, the vodka, but I cannot wait. Even though I'm a gin man, I, I do love a really nice pure vodka and the way you describe uh, Black Lion uh, sounds just that. So I should be doing that and as soon as I do, I shall uh, post a... Uh, post a picture of it on my uh, Instagram feed. I can't wait to uh, try it, as you say. It's great to um, hear what you've done, and I'm sure it's going to be um, an even greater uh, success. So, um, Tim, Tan, thank you so much. I know you're really super busy, so thanks for taking an hour out uh, from the farm. And um, and well done, uh, Annabelle, too, for um, sort of um, <laughs> being uh, angelic in the background. Um, thanks very much for joining us on The Drinking Hour. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Right. Well, as promised, they have very uh, kindly sent uh, a sample of Black Lion sheep's milk vodka and uh, comes in a beautiful um, bottle, which um, kind of looks like the Matterhorn, actually. But um, I think it is the Matterhorn. Beautiful snowy look. And this is very snowy because it's just come out of the freezer. It's been in the freezer for about uh, three hours. So I'm just going to pour a little over uh, some ice. Ordinarily, I would uh, uh, drink a sample before an interview, but uh, it um, logistically wasn't possible. So I did promise I'd do this. And let's have a taste. So uh, obviously, completely clear, as you'd expect. And although vodka is, uh, you know, relatively neutral, as we were saying earlier, 
there is a beautiful kind of uh, mountain purity to to the very subtle aromatic here. There's there's definitely yeah, there's definitely some some really lovely mineral notes uh, on the nose uh, in here. It just um actually smells pure if uh, pure can have a a smell. Let's have a taste. Served over ice. Mm, actually it's very nice it's um it's really it's creamy it's um it's got a lovely purity to it beautiful warmth the alcohol of course but uh the the warmth is rounded and it's uh towards the sort of the rear of the palate it's not a hot finish it's just got a lovely rounded warmth and as i say that lovely creaminess as well uh, i don't know if that is to do with uh coming from uh sheep's milk uh, I, i'm not sure because uh, i don't really know enough uh, about uh, what um whey does uh when it becomes uh vodka but it's uh absolutely delicious uh that's for sure really um you know a very impressive uh, premium vodka uh, so well done to Tim and Tam. The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in partnership with Club Onologique. The world through the lens of wine and spirits. Let's keep it topical and round off with a selection of medal winners from the IWSC Hall of Fame. Spirits winners from the 2023 competition, which was uh, announced uh couple of months ago now uh, it's an opportune moment to focus on vodka obviously a category that put in an impressive performance seven of this year's gold outstanding awards went to vodka entries as well as 19 gold medals 86 silver and 64 bronze the top award uh, the trophy uh, so best in show to use uh, chelsea flower show terminology uh, went to Virtuous Spirits Rye Vodka. Uh, renowned expert David T. Smith was overseeing this judging process. Uh, this particular vodka won 99 points uh, out of 100, obviously, uh, as well as the trophy. Here's the all-important tasting note. Uh, Virtuous by Nature offers an unusual nose with distinct rye nuances. There's floral orange blossom and ripe cherries, plus some layers of candied sweets. The palate is incredibly smooth and the finish really lingers. Destillery Farthofer Darolf Einen Hupeling vodka from Austria. Um, I hope uh, that I've pronounced that correctly. Uh, was a gold medal winner, a whopping 98 points from the judging panel. Their tasting note, fragrant and exceptionally smooth on the palate. The nose has notes of black pepper, which carries through onto the palate, where it's met with a fresh brioche flavour. Excellent clarity with a distinct character all of its own. Let's go to the USA next. California, to be precise. Cutwater Spirits. Fugu Vodka scooped a gold medal with 96 points. The judging panel saying a clean nose that continues through to the palate. Full and dense aromatics. It's smooth, well-balanced, with a lovely sweetness on the finish and a thick and smooth texture. Staying in the States, Deep Eddy Vodka from Texas won a gold as well with 95 points. The judges said this, 
corn, citrus and vegetal aromas come through up front, while the palate is silky with a milky element. The mouthfeel is smooth and the finish is long. This vodka is delicate, refined and balanced, they said. And finally, here's a grape-based vodka. Obviously, uh, the majority would be uh, grain-based. But this one from Hungary is made with the uh, delicious Ferment Grape. Seven Hills Distillery Ferment Vodka won a gold medal with 95 points. Here's the tasting note. Savoury and earthy on the nose with subtle woodiness. The palate is intense and layered, offering dried apricot, stewed apple and honeycomb as white pepper warmth builds in the background. Brilliantly crafted with a velvety mouthfeel that gives fantastic character. Talking of uh, fantastic characters, uh, my thanks again to uh, Tim and Tan and uh, little uh, Annabelle um, at uh, Black Lion Vodka. Uh, for their company and uh, do uh, try uh, that Black Lion uh, vodka. Uh, That's it for this week. Uh, My thanks to them and thanks to you for joining us. Uh, You can find uh, my wine column at clubanalogique.com. Plenty of uh, spirits content there as well, of course. Uh, You can follow Club Analogique on Instagram. You can follow me. uh, I'm Mr. Venusaurus on uh, Instagram and Twitter. And of course, there's Food FM Radio on Instagram and Twitter as well. For now, though, goodbye. The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in partnership with Club Onologique, the world through the lens of wine and spirits. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.